0: of the day okay. when you get an opportunity in this game you make a play the playmakers on three one two three playmakers. touchdown Kansas City the Chiefs are right in the thick of it baby all right everyone welcome to this divisional playoff edition of defending the kingdom Mitch Holtis with you boys to the Chiefs along with Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen I've got to give you my background here though uh first Matt and it is the Walter Payton man of the year wall basically that is put up in the level nine where you and I work a lot at GHA field at Arrowhead Stadium. There's also a hallway in the practice facility dedicated to the Chiefs winners of the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, There have been five, four of those five for the Chiefs have been in in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Chiefs have more than any other team in the National Football League. I've a presentation earlier today uh, that was a nationwide event so that's why I'm here but we can start the show that way of just this award what it means and what it's meant to the Chiefs.
1: Yeah it means everything it's it's so much more important than so many other awards things like MVPs offensive rookie of the year, stuff like that, that the Chiefs have had players win uh, in the decades that they've been around. Those things are great and really important to us. But the man of the year award is about what you do on the football field and what you do off of it. And uh, that's so important because when you have a giant platform like these guys do, you want to make the most of it and make your community a better place. That's what that award is all about. And how about Tyron Matthew, our nominee this year? He won the online social media challenge because Chiefs fans voted for him Uh, he won by a lot and he gets 25 grand uh, for his foundation to put that back into um, our community and his community back in Louisiana uh, and to make those communities a better place. So uh, good on Chiefs fans for winning that for Tyron.
0: This episode of defending the kingdom is brought to you as always by 360 vodka, the official vodka, of the Kansas city chiefs and the chiefs kingdom in Kansas city's hometown vodka. We've entitled this one, the fireworks display. Uh, we will get to that in a second, but first let's go around the world here to see who are some of our Defending the Kingdom viewers and listeners are, and let me start with a couple. This was fun. I got one, Jason Drummond from Garden City, Kansas. Now, there's a Garden City, Missouri, but this is Garden City, Kansas, where Tyree Hill played his junior college football uh, with the Garden City Bronckbusters, Busters, uh, the Jayhawk Juco League. They've had many, many NFL players go through there, but that's one, but here's a funny one. Um, This just came in where uh, his name is Josh Navore. He's a huge Chiefs fan, grew up in Kansas City. Maddie just recently uh, asked for a woman's hand. I mean, he uh, reached out with an engagement here, a proposal with a Buffalo Bills native, a Buffalo Bills fan. Her name is Candace Corey. She supposedly accepted they're going to get married in May, but this seems like really peculiar timing for a
1: Kansas city young man to propose to a Buffalo young lady. Did he propose after he knew that the bills would be our opponent or was it before? Is this just a really unfortunate coincidence or did they know?
0: I don't know, but the pre-marriage counseling ought to be very, very interesting, uh, yeah. particularly what happens on Sunday night uh, in this epic games. So we're going to jump into the fireworks display but let's uh, who who do we have around the world that is listening and watching?
1: Well, I'll say good luck to his marriage. This is a rough way to start. Hopefully, a big Chiefs victory. Uh, but yeah, lots of people all over the world and all over the country. So we'll start with around the world. We have Andrew in New South Wales, Australia. Uh, he became a fan of the Chiefs watching Christian Okoye back in the '90s. He's been a fan ever since. We have David in Taipei, Taiwan. Cheryl in Bulgaria, Jed in Chester, England, a fan in Bangkok, Thailand, they're a former K-Stater, now they're in Bangkok, Uh, a fan in Burnaby, Canada, Harry in Montreal, Canada, he's been a fan since 1986. Uh, Adawame in Nigeria, and then Sebastian in Germany. This is kind of a cool story on how he became a fan. Uh, He was visiting his wife's friends in Kansas City in 2016. He didn't know really much about the Chiefs at all, but they went to a Chiefs game. Guess what game it was? It was the season opener against the Chargers, the huge comeback, 17-point comeback, Alex Smith going crazy. That was his first ever Chiefs game. He hasn't missed a game since, watches all the games on TV. He's a huge fan now, so it's cool how moments like that can make you a fan for life. Uh, Then lots of fans around the country. So Nate in Manhattan, Kansas. Brandy in Winterport, Maine. Paul in Tonganoxie, Kansas. Larry in Bakerton, Pennsylvania. Eric in Sioux City, Iowa. Emily in Las Vegas, out there in enemy territory. uh, A fan in Brooklyn, New York. And this is a cool story too. So he was a kid in 1986 and he had some football cards and everybody was a New York Giants fan in Brooklyn, obviously. And he had some Giants football cards. A bully tried taking advantage of him and traded some other football cards for this guy's football cards. One of the cards that he got was a Christian Okoye rookie card. He's been a fan ever since. So Christian Okoye, all over the world, is making Chiefs fans for life. So pretty cool. Uh, Going down the list here, Gary and Donna, Texas. uh, Mandy and Will in Mount Washington, Kentucky. Now, we called them out a few weeks ago, but they heard the fan last week in Santa Barbara that claimed that Santa Barbara is um, Arrowhead West. They want to claim Mount Washington, Kentucky as Kingdom East. So, from here henceforth, uh, Mount Washington, Kentucky is Kingdom East. Uh, we have a fan in Neosho, Missouri, Robert in Joplin, another fan in Joplin, plus her brother in Savannah, Georgia, Billy from North Providence, Rhode Island, Ricky in Paducah, Kentucky. Kind of funny here. Apparently, the Chiefs are in, on TV a lot in Paducah, like even though the Titans are just two hours away. Like CBS puts Chiefs games on a lot there. So, the whole city, uh, according to them, is a big Chiefs fan. So, pretty cool. Uh, we have Tim in Roy, Washington. He's originally from St. Joe, though. Joey in North Plainfield, New Jersey. Says the kingdom is strong in New Jersey. Jody in Collins, Missouri. Joe in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Gabriel in Springfield, Illinois. Roger in Lee's Summit. Blake in Tampa, Florida. Going to my second page here. John in New Bronzevilles, Texas. This is a fun one. Steven in St. Paul, Nebraska, but he has in-laws in Smith Center, and they say that your family is very nice, which I agree. Your family is very nice. Uh, Daryl in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Anita in Portland. Bob in Unionville, Missouri. Taylor in Seattle, but he's from Leewood originally, and way back in his high school days worked the parking lot for the Chiefs, uh, but still repping the Chiefs out there in Seattle. And lastly, Keith in Virgil City, Missouri. So people all over the place. I'm pretty sure we have this week alone. Let's see, we hit North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and Australia. So we're missing South America and Antarctica this week, but pretty good.
0: Yeah, you're yeah, right. We had the African continent again, which were big, in Eastern Europe, we know we're big with defending the kingdom. And Sebastian, great to hear from our German members of the Chiefs' kingdom. Hmm. Stay tuned there, buddy. There may be one of these days we'll come see you. Matt and I will come see Sebastian and the rest of our great German fans in the Chiefs' kingdom. All right, let's talk about one of the more anticipated NFL games in the postseason outside of a Super Bowl in recent years, and that is this Buffalo Bills-Kansas City Chiefs game, which will be the divisional playoff game Sunday night, Sunday afternoon late at 530 And here are the red-hot Buffalo Bills. Winners of the last five games completely dismantled their arch enemy New England Patriots last weekend. And here come the equally hot Kansas City Chiefs, who scored in record fashion, literally, uh, in what they did in just a matter of minutes last week uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Matt, you know this. Growing up in Kansas City, and you've traveled the whole state of Missouri and throughout the Chiefs' kingdom, and we see it during – Obviously the 4th of July, these huge firework displays, but there are some that are open year round. And uh, we stopped, we didn't stop buying fireworks, but when we were on our van trip, our fun bus trip to Cincinnati of nine hours one way, we did stop at a place that was a huge fireworks stand. I mean, there was just fireworks for, you know, cubic feet upon cubic feet. I get the sense in walking into this game Sunday night, that I'm going to be walking into one of those gigantic fireworks year-round places because that's the sense in this game, because of two record-setting quarterbacks, two record setting offenses,
1: and two very good defenses. I used to live in Riverside, so I know all about those fireworks stands. Those things are in Riverside like year-round. But uh yeah, I totally went at
0: River Bend. I did one with my daughter at River Bend which is like, I don't, is it Liberty? Is it independence? Is it Kansas city? It's all of that. And it's none of that. That's a whole nother story sometime uh, that I did with my daughter. Wow. Wow. That was an education, but yes, river, Riverside for sure.
1: Yeah. But I totally agree about your thesis. uh, Looking at this game, it is a fireworks show and how happy is the NFL that this is a collision course game for these two teams. And it's exciting because both teams are playing, at their peak right now. And I think that's really important from the Chiefs' perspective. The Bills have had a great season. We know that. They were really hitting on all cylinders early in the year when we saw them, and they kind of went through a lull there in the middle of the season, and now they're hitting on all cylinders again. A perfect game, really, offensively for them against the Patriots. No turnovers, no punts, no field goals. Scored a touchdown on every single drive, with the exception of their last drive where they were taking a knee. That was a game where I think they unleashed about 30 years of frustration on Big Brother, I was thinking back to that 2007 game against the Bills when the Patriots were like truly unstoppable and they scored like 51 points on them or something crazy like that. I think the Bills were thinking about that um, and their fans were thinking about that throughout that game against the Patriots this past weekend. Uh, but the Chiefs are playing great football right now too. And after a slow start against Pittsburgh, look at what Patrick Mahomes did after the TJ Watt defensive touchdown so the Steelers get a touchdown right defensively and people are all wondering oh man can the Steelers pull this upset from then on out Patrick Mahomes completed 24 of 27 passes for five touchdowns and 359 yards he had more touchdown passes than incompletions to close out the game I mean that's MVP that's Patrick Mahomes caliber football right there For him to have that game and have that confidence right now throwing the football going into this game, I think is huge.
0: Crazy what he did to have twenty-eight points in 10 and a half game minutes. I mean, that shattered the Tom Brady mark in the playoffs uh, by 15 game minutes. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. But let's give Josh Allen his due. You mentioned that Patriot game, the fact that at 157.6 rating, he was only the third player in NFL history, Josh Allen, to have five-plus touchdown passes, no interceptions and fewer than five incompletions. Only Peyton Manning in 2002, when he was a Colt against Denver, his future team, and then Kurt Warner in 2008 uh, for the Cardinals against the Packers did what Josh Allen did last weekend. So it's interesting that we're seeing these two high powered offenses and Buffalo to me, over the years has started to emulate the Chiefs just more and more and more. We know about on Diggs. We know how, part, how outstanding he is on the long passes. We saw it in October in that Buffalo victory when he got free for a 61-yarder. But now Dawson Knox, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, they're using Devin Singletary more in the run game and the passing game. There, there's just a lot of things to account for. Think of that fireworks building when you walk in in February and there's all these fireworks. The same with the Chiefs because now we've seen the growth in guys like Byron Pringle. Jerick McKinnon last week, there's, there's enough weapons anyway, but both of these teams have just added to the
1: arsenal. Both of these teams don't pigeonhole guys into certain roles and that's what you do. You're just a running back. You're just a wide receiver. This is the offense that we run. Both teams really utilize the athletes that they have on the field in a variety of different ways. So you mentioned all the the threats that Buffalo has. Um, Stephon Diggs, yes, amazing player, but also Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis. You mentioned Devin Singletary. Lots of good athletes on this Buffalo squad where they can stretch you out. They can stretch you vertically as well, but the best athlete on the field is their quarterback, and Josh Allen. And He's an amazing passer. We all know that. He has a great arm, a uh, great story, you know, raising his completion percentage from at Wyoming. That was the concern about him. Can he complete enough passes in the NFL? Yeah, he can. He can really complete passes at a high level. But his running ability is the thing that makes him so special, in my opinion. So he has 700 rushing yards this year and six rushing touchdowns. Um, he has forced 37 missed tackles this season, according to Pro Football Focus. That's the most of any non-running back in the NFL 23 times on third down this season, and we saw it back in that week five matchup, he'll just take the ball and run a quarterback power or run to the side somehow, uh, and he'll get the first down. 23 times he's moved the chains on third down by himself with his legs this year. This dude is 6'5", 240 pounds. So the important thing here for the Chiefs is they have to maintain gap integrity against this guy, got to maintain your assignments, hold the edge against him. And if you have an opportunity to sack Josh Allen, you have to bring him down because what we've seen this year when he's struggled and he has struggled at times under pressure, when he can't get out and scramble, if you can sack him and create a negative play for this offense, throws the whole thing off schedule and they struggle as a unit. But when they're on schedule and he gets to third and three, third and four, that's where they're at their best. So the chiefs, I suggest that they blitz. I suggest that they get pressure early and often in this game, and make sure you wrap him up when you have an opportunity to do so because he's a great athlete, and when he can get the ball out to his other athletes on the field, this team is very tough to beat.
0: Yeah, when you look at what he's been able to do, his he had 36 passing touchdowns. We're talking regular season numbers here. This is not even taking into account his five tosses last week against New England for touchdowns, and then 763 rushing yards. Only three quarterbacks in the history of the league have had – uh, 30-plus touchdown passes, and 700-plus rushing yards. Lamar Jackson in 2019 in that phenomenal year he had. Randall Cunningham, we're going all the way back to 1990. And Josh Allen in 2021. But, and, and I love his game. I love his game. Respect him. But there's still the 18 giveaways. People have talked about Patrick Mahomes and, hey, interceptions, which have gone away except for last week on the batted pass. But generally, it wasn't like at the beginning of the year. Let's be honest, Josh Allen on a 11-6 and six regular season team had the third most interceptions in this league. Only Trevor Lawrence and Matthew Stafford had more and three lost fumbles. Those were early in the year. That's all prior to the Chiefs game. But to your point, you triggered that thought by saying what you said. You, you have to be able to pressure him in containing. The other thing that's impressive about Buffalo is their design runs. You mentioned uh, somebody was on here from K-State that now works in uh, Bangkok, Thailand, I think. Well, they would love Colin Klein uh, winning a Big 12 championship on basically quarterback design runs. We've seen it with Lamar Jackson with Buffalo. But nobody's been as creative in these quarterback design runs than the Buffalo Bills. They make it look like a pass, like they get it New England, and it's like a screenplay. Within the next instant, the linemen convert, they run a quarterback power play, and it just puts a lot of pressure on any defense. So the Chiefs defense, which you and I both have a ton of confidence in, they're just going to have to be on their game with Josh Allen either throwing or running.
1: I think those moments that you're talking about where uh, you have a chance to get Josh Allen and he makes a guy miss and gets 20 yards, those are the plays that can win or lose this game for the Chiefs. If you look at the numbers here, Josh Allen has been pressured 253 times this season. That's the most of any quarterback in the NFL. It's really interesting, though. He's basically unbeatable when he has a clean pocket but when he's pressured relatively speaking his numbers do go down he struggles a bit when he's pressured but if you allow him to create magic with his legs, he has the most big time throws, which are a subjective stat by pro football focus. But it basically means when you make a great throw in a tight window, he has the most big time throws under pressure of any quarterback in the NFL and the most scrambles under pressure of any quarterback in the NFL. So it's a razor thin margin where if you can get pressure on him and sack him or force him into a a fumble or uh, an interception, that's a huge play for the defense. But if you have one guy that he breaks a tackle or you can't quite bring him down, and he makes a big play that can go the other way and it's a big win for the Buffalo offense so I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for when he's scrambling out of the pocket that you have to take him down and not allow him to make a big play because that's that's truly I think one of the major keys to this game
0: yeah and Josh Allen's looking for his first road playoff victory he's 0 closing losing to the Chiefs last year in the AFC championship game and Sean McDermott again one of coaches. Uh, disciples he was he started out that was his entry point in the National Football League was with the Eagles uh, with Coach Reed and Coach McDermott doing a great job with this team 0-3 on the road in the playoffs so that's something they're trying to overcome and with the Chiefs offense here we've seen it starting to click and I didn't mention guys like McCole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson who to me their confidence level we're sitting here on middle of January has grown Almost exponentially since the middle of November. We talk about the defense improving, but we've seen these individual offensive guys pop up. D Rob's going into this game, and for sure, McCole Hardman are going into the high degree of confidence to be able to complement and, and uh, help kind of subsidize Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey.
1: Yeah, and guys like Jared McKinnon, he mentioned earlier. Byron Pringle had two touchdowns last week. That confidence level is so, so important because we know Tyreek Hill will get his coverage. We know Travis Kelsey will get his coverage. So other guys have to step up and then open things up for guys like Hill and Kelsey. And for those guys, particularly late this season, so against Pittsburgh in the regular season when we didn't have uh, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill had just come off the COVID list and only got a couple targets – It was so important for those guys to get a moment to show, hey, when it really matters, we can be the guy. They showed that they could do it, not just to the world, but also to themselves and to the coaching staff. So then in the playoffs, all of a sudden, these guys are now making big plays when it's needed. How awesome was Jarek McKinnon against the Pittsburgh Steelers? 142 scrimmage yards on 18 touches in that game. He was huge when the Chiefs were really hurting in their backfield. Byron Pringle, great catch on that fade. The quick uh, cut in on a fake slant then goes right to the corner of the end zone and catches that touchdown pass that really got things rolling uh, for this offense. So I think that confidence in themselves and also Patrick Mahomes' confidence in those guys that they can go out there and make big plays when needed uh, is super important going against this Buffalo uh, defense. I think one thing that's important to note too, because we're talking about how this team has grown, particularly since that week five game, a couple things went wrong in that week five game that we can look back at and say, hey, these things are preventable. And one of them is the turnovers for this Chiefs offense, which you mentioned earlier, the Chiefs turned the ball over four times in that game. The Bills coming into that game weren't turning the ball over at all, and defensively, they were forcing a bunch of turnovers, right? And the Chiefs' defense at that time, too, was going through some stuff. They were struggling um, at times. They were actually, I can go through it right now, they were missing Chris Jones and Trevarius Ward in that game. Willie Gay Jr. and Frank Clark were in their first games back from injury, so they weren't fully you know, immersed in the uh, defense at that point. Juan Thornhill had only played 44% of the snaps in that game. He wasn't an every down starter at that point. Since that game, he's played at least 80% of the snaps in 12 of 13 games, and Melvin Ingram was a Pittsburgh Steeler. So the defense has totally changed And the defense has forced turnovers and uh, big plays in the time since that game. Uh, I'll put a bow on it with this because now I'm just rambling about our defense. But uh, coming into that, or since that game, the Chiefs are plus 11 in turnover differential through the end of the regular season, and the Bills are minus three. Something to keep in mind going into this one.
0: Yeah, it's the turnaround there, especially for the Chiefs and that is like something I've never seen in the National Football League, Chiefs or otherwise. Now, the Bills are also... We're going to pivot here a little bit uh, in the next couple of minutes as we close this show out. First of all, here's a real tasty stat. I love it when our DTK uh, listeners and viewers climb in when they do their own research. Derek Nelson is one of our great DTK season ticket holders, if you will, in Houston, Texas. Houston, he lives there in Houston. Uh, But he came up with this one. We know the Bills just went nuts on New England. The Bills were the 23rd team. In NFL postseason history. Now we're going all the way back here. This is like, think of the Washington Redskins losing to the Bears 73 to nothing in like the 30s or 40s. But the Bills, the 23rd team to score 47 or more points in a postseason game. The next week, of teams that weren't doing that in the Super Bowl, that had to have a game the next week, there were 13 of those 23. So 10 won Super Bowls doing it or NFL championship games. The next week, those teams were four and nine and averaged 18 points a game. And that was one of those emoji, Hmm. let me think about that a second. So that's one I thought you would like, uh, and he was just grinding through that. The other, there were nine that won Super Bowls or NFL championship games before the merger that blew somebody out and didn't have to play the next week. But blowing somebody out doesn't always necessarily mean you're gonna do it again the following week. Now let me pivot though to this Buffalo defense. If you look at their grade card, oh my gosh, Pass defense, total defense, third down defense, best defense against play action passes, best defense against downfield passes, um, and yards per play. First, 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 first. This is the valedictorian right now of defenses in the NFL if you look at their grade card.
1: Yeah, they're really, really good. I mean, they lead, just like you said, the league in just about every defensive category. They've been awesome this season. They set out to be better defensively this season, and they've done that. So give them credit uh, where credit is due. Uh, Now, looking at what they've done this year, You mentioned third down. Third down is a money down in the NFL. We all know that. One key to watching this game is yes, they have the best third down defense in the NFL. But who has the best third down offense in the NFL? As a matter of fact, who has the best third down offense? Or sorry, the fifth best third down offense in NFL history? It's the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're playing very well on third down right now. That's an area in this game where something has to give. So uh, third down is a big money down, uh, even more so in this game uh, than it ever is. And I'll get back to the the – The Chiefs,
0: by the way, are the best in third down offense since the 2011 Saints. So, I mean, they were – they were, they've were. they been incredible on third down. They're going to need to be that way again this week.
1: Yeah, they need to be. Um, and also just protecting the balls. I mentioned the turnover margin earlier and how the Chiefs turned the ball over four times uh, back in week five. When you're playing a good team like this, you cannot turn the ball over. Now, these were preventable turnovers, I think. I mean, one was the ball just bounced off Tyreek Hill's hands into Micah Hyde's grasp. He scores a pick six. Uh, there was another one where there's a great play by Gregory Rousseau, where I think McCole Hardman, if he had caught this ball, would have scored a touchdown. It was a quick little like a screen throw, basically. But Rousseau just got his big paw up, uh, batted it up in the air and then um, caught his own deflection and had the interception. The Chiefs actually moved the ball kind of well on Buffalo back in week five, even though they were going through some stuff offensively back then. They're still kind of learning how to deal with those two high safety shell looks uh, they moved the ball effectively at times. The issue was they just couldn't punch it in for touchdowns whenever they got on Buffalo's side of the field. So got to make sure when you're moving the ball that you're you're converting red zone opportunities into touchdowns in this game and not turning it over because this Buffalo defense is very opportunistic.
0: Yeah, I remember that speaking of red zone, McKinnon had one bounce off his face mask and fly up and that got intercepted in the end zone. That took out another one uh, off the board. The Chiefs were going to get at least three there. Okay. We're going to close this up. Did you ever go into the big fireworks stand? Did your folks give you like a, here's 20 bucks, go buy some fireworks.
1: My, my family never trusted me with that kind of thing, probably for good reason, but, but I get where you're going with this though.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I'll just tell you, so growing up on a farm, of course, it could be a fireworks haven, but you had to be very careful of dry. You could start fires but my friend, we had an old, uh, this, and he's a city kid, right? He's a town kid. We had this old, um, it used to be a fuel tank, but it was buried under the ground. And he goes, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to put a big firecracker down in this hole. Like, no, don't. And he did it. The whole ground just goes, but it didn't blow up. It could have. in uh, that tank, we had to bring it back up. Now, I, could, I know where it's at to this day. And there's a huge hole in that tank from that firework. But again, we've all walked into the big fireworks locations uh, throughout the Chiefs Kingdom or during the 4th of July time going into those big fireworks tent. Matt, I think you agree. That's what I feel like we're walking into Sunday afternoon at 5:30 for this great game between the Bills and Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a great opportunity for the Chiefs here in this game. If you're looking at the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen even said this uh, today during his media session. He said the Chiefs are what we are aspiring to be. The Bills want to be that top dog in the AFC, but for the Chiefs, they can go out there, make their way to a fourth consecutive AFC title game. If the Bengals win on Saturday, and the Chiefs can win uh, against the Bills, we'll be hosting a fourth consecutive AFC title game. And after this season that's been a season of ups and downs, you know, the 3-4 and four start, fighting through the middle of the year, fighting against these defenses that have tried to adapt to the Chiefs' offensive philosophy – If the Chiefs can make a fourth consecutive AFC title game and announce to the rest of the league, hey, we're still here and we're not going anywhere, Uh, it's a very exciting opportunity here for the Chiefs against a very worthy opponent in the Buffalo Bills.
0: So folks, again, our Defending the Kingdom podcast brought to you by 360 Vodka, Kansas City's hometown vodka and the uh, official vodka of the Chiefs' kingdom. Wherever you're going to listen or watch or attend this game, As I sat here at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, just have the image that walking in, you're walking in to a fireworks store or one of those huge fireworks tents at the 4th of July. Because get ready, people. This is a fireworks display. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.